Hello, and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast, breaking down the disconnects between work and life. I'm your host, Eric Larson, and today I am joined by Nico Forlenza, who is a friend of mine from high school, grew up in Charlotte, same kind of story for some of the other guests, except that Nico ended up moving to Nashville, and then Dallas, and then Mississippi. Nico is an architect by trade. He talks about school a little bit, which is interesting because it's more of an apprenticeship as opposed to a degree. He didn't take a single test in college, which was at Auburn. And Nico has kind of carved out a little niche for himself as a rendering and technology expert. However, he has a hot take on being an expert in his field at his age. So stick around to hear that and to learn more about Nico. And um, I'm excited about this conversation because I never really talked to Nico about this kind of stuff. And he had some good things to say and um, maybe should give himself a little bit more credit because it sounds like he's carved out a nice little career for himself so far. He's got a wife and a kid on the way. So, you know, at least make it enough to put some food on the table for them and uh, has a good blend of commercial residential real estate, some experience that setting him up for some uh, moves in his future. So enjoy. This is Nico Forlenza. Hello, and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I'm your host, Eric Larson, and today we are joined by Nico Forlenza. How are you today, Nico? Doing good. Doing good. Nico is calling in from Mississippi, and I'm a friend of his from Charlotte from back in the day. So how he got to Mississippi is, of course, something we'll address because I am just <laughs> as curious as you. But it's beautiful behind you. Nice blue skies. Nico's even outside. So, um, yeah. So I guess we could dig in. Is that, am I your first introverted guest? introverted guest i think you're my second one um maybe george maybe evan but (laughs) there's there's definitely different levels because yeah some people are like oh i can't wait to talk for hours and some people are um, i have have myself up before this (laughs) there we go nico's ready he said he's got a hot take so we're we're Mm -hmm. excited for that that'll keep the listeners ready Um, And so we have to touch on this, too, because Nico is one of the other biggest supporters of the Carolina Panthers that I know. And in addition to going to Auburn, he is a diehard Cam Newton supporter like myself. So we were saying it is unusual to be talking about work instead of about the Panthers. So any any Panthers thoughts for the fans? Oh, pray for the best. (laughs) It's always easy. Just dismay. It's it's bleak right now for us, but it can only go up. So, do you want Cam next year or no? Yeah, yeah. I okay, do. yeah. You heard it here first. This just <laughs> in. Breaking news. Nice. Well, for the rest of our audience, we're going to talk about school and work and life and all the above in the next thirty minutes or so here. So, let's get into it. So, Nika, you went to Myers Park High School with myself, grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and ended up doing architecture. How did that come to be? Yeah, so, yeah, went to Myers Park with you, and I don't know, I just always had an interest 
in um, kind of the arts and grew up loving Legos like every other architect will ever talk to. But I was actually torn when I was going to school between architecture and engineering. And when I was a senior in high school, I visited an engineering firm and an architecture firm. And I walked into the engineering floor and it was just a bunch of people sitting quiet in cubicles. And I went to the architecture floor and it was a bunch of people having fun making models, drawing. So I was like, that's that's what I want to do. So I went down that route and I went to Auburn, went out of uh, North Carolina. You know, Auburn at the time was a top five architecture school, which is one of the draws. And I think, you know, a lot of times in high school, yeah, I'd answer like, why are you going to Alabama for school? But I will say <laughs> there are a lot of good schools and good programs in the South. If uh, you got high school listeners, they called Auburn the Harvard of Deep South Safety Schools. So it's all just a matter <laughs> of perception. <laughs> There we go. I hadn't heard that. Um, Yeah, that's what everyone's saying, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. So you made it down south, south, more south, souther, and started architecture school. I actually made it down there for a a game one time to visit Nico, which was a ton of fun. They won a title while he was there, thanks to Cameron Newton. And five years of school? Yeah. And so architecture school, I was telling you before, was... uh, kind of really different from any other kind of school experience you'd be in. I um, I took a single test in any of my studio classes for the whole five years. It's a lot of, you give a, a project or an assignment, and they're kind of vague, and you just kind of got to run with it, and they give you about two or three weeks per, and then you kind of present it in front of a panel of judges at the end of it. But yeah, right. You're friends with everyone. You're spending a ton of time with them. You're doing projects with them. Yeah, it's competing. about yeah, it's about forty people in your year, and you become super close to them. And they're probably, you know, some of my best friends from college, just because you spend. I mean, you're in there probably eighty to hundred hours a week for architecture school in your mm-hmm. studio, and you get close to them. And I knew. I mean, I knew what everyone's cry face looked like within the first semester because I mean, you go through the whole emotional spectrum and you're all all competing for you know a limited number of a's or b's or c's and you're all best friends it's a really cool kind of unique experience yeah and sounds like a contrast to engineering which certainly has some weed out classes but like i mean all i took was tests i don't feel like i learned much until senior design and then i already had a job so i was like not very invested so i came out with like no practical skills except from internships and stuff but i think other engineers would feel the same way maybe depending on the school maybe depending on the degree but we didn't have a portfolio at the end which would certainly be different from from what you did yeah when you're in your fifth year you make a portfolio you take a whole class to get that ready and then you go in a big conference room and there's firms in our case, at least all over the Southeast, they come and set up a table and um, you send them your portfolio ahead of time and then you get callbacks to certain companies and you go meet with two representatives um, from each one and you just, that's like your first interview. So you just walk around with your portfolio and share it and hope someone likes what you're putting down. 
It's um, like a career fair. They have just a bunch like of a, companies there. Yeah, it's an architectural career fair, but it's almost like your first interview, and they post up, you know, who wants to talk to you on a big list, so you can kind of, <laughs> you can kind of see who's getting um, interest from where, which is kind of cool. Draft day. Yeah, kind of. See who's at the top of the board. Yeah, so I got I, – I knew I wanted to go to Nashville outside of school, so – okay. After school, so I was looking at firms in Nashville, and the reason I was looking at Nashville should have been for work stuff, but I had just watched the show Nashville (laughs) and uh, thought it looked like a cool place to be. (laughs) Hey, that's fair. Thanks for being honest. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but the firm I ended up with there was super cool. And I've always kind of had more of a draw towards the design side of things. And they were doing a lot of super cool projects um, in downtown Nashville. Um, So that's, and they like me. So that's kind of how I ended up there. There we go. Yeah. So so I lived with Nico right in the same building (laughs) down the hall in Nashville. (laughs) We both ended up there after college, which was kind of, kind of funny and unplanned, but worked out. And uh, yeah, just booming city. I'm sure architecture firms were had plenty of oh, work to do. You were doing commercial oh, yeah. stuff, a ton of work. I was working at a firm called Gresham Smith, and we were located right in downtown Nashville. And we were doing a lot of large commercial projects there. Um, some of the bigger ones I worked on there were uh, I worked on that Fifth and Broadway, which is right across from Bridgestone now. Huge nice. food hall, is it open a shopping center. Yeah, yeah. I went for Labor Day. It's crazy. It's packed it's a food hall an office tower and a condo tower all like right on the edge of broadway um but that was cool that was and that had a lot of stereotypes of your typical like kind of large firm a lot of long hours kind of really cool projects and you know when you're coming out of school and stuff it's kind of the big leagues of you know where people go is like big commercial firms and that Mm -hmm. was really cool to get exposure to but i realized that lifestyle just kind of wasn't for me Mm -hmm. um so after nashville i actually did a 180 in my career and moved to dallas to a small kind of boutique high-end residential firm um so i went from an environment with you know in an office with 100 plus architects, you know, 400 plus employees, um, down to a small office of 25 people. Wow. Um, and my, my office in Nashville, actually, that was an architecture and engineering firm. Okay. So I was on an architect floor and then the floor below me was all engineers. And it was funny because just like the, my high school trip, you go to the engineering floor and you could hear a pin drop. It was dead silent. <laughs> and you go to the architecture floor and it sounded like a Wall Street bullpen, just like people yelling <laughs> at each other. It was uh, no cubicles, just all open desks. Interesting. Um, <laughs> you go to your phone room to, to try to talk to someone and you'd still get like you could hear the kind of the, the fever from the, the floor through it's it. Too funny. Yeah, just a concrete example of the difference. The kind of person it draws. Yeah, for sure. And so the, the career switch for you was going from commercial to residential. Is that right? Yeah. 
And that was just to get to Dallas, or what was the reasoning? No. So the I had spent three years in Nashville, kind of doing big projects and you know working super long hours, and just I wanted you know, it felt kind of opposite from my school experience where it was mm -hmm. you know a, a small group of people that you feel kind of close to um and even though you're competing with each other you um there's a sense of community and in a big firm it's cutthroat like it's a hmm. it's a lot of people in and out the door and it's a it's a what have you done for me lately type thing where you can push and push and push and if you get on a different project um you know, and you just got off a deadline, they expect you to push just as much. So now is the size of the firm, does that correlate to residential versus commercial? Or is that just the type of firm you chose? So the, I mean, my firm here in Mississippi now is 25 people as well, but okay. we do more commercial work. I think it's just okay. a, a nature of the market and things like that. But what I will say before I kind of leave my Nashville career is that it was a lot of hard work, but I learned so many like cool things and worked with like got to learn from a lot of people that worked that were extremely talented and worked in big offices in Chicago, in New York. One guy I kind of looked up to worked in Richard Meyer's office in New York, who's like a renowned architect. And I worked for another lady who worked on the Burj Dubai in um, cool and cutter and like the tallest building in the world there for a while so i mean you learn a lot but i was kind of ready to just take that knowledge and and look at the profession and experience it from a whole different angle which is you know small residential projects and in the commercial world i'd be doing you know all this work but you know you're working with we're working with apple and amazon execs and stuff so only the top people would go to these meetings and you'd get feedback and have to respond to it without ever kind of meeting the client. And in residential, it's the complete opposite where you are designing for people that you meet with, you know, once every week or every two weeks. And not only are you designing for them, you're designing their home, which is the most personal mm -hmm. of all things. And there was a lot more kind of relationship building and things like that for someone on my level and um that was really cool and it was kind of a the office environment that i missed that felt like my school environment a lot were smaller but b it was this personal connection with people that i i missed having um yeah and i think you know auburn architecture school became kind of world renowned for their Rural Studio Program, which is a small kind of kind of camp-like environment, you get to you can choose to go to. I didn't do it, but it's a great program in West Alabama where you do projects for this small rural community um, in West Alabama, and you like people graduate a little later and they'll live there for two three years, and you know they'll do like a, they've done projects for the Boys and Girls Club and things like. That community base but you can see how you're impacting people's lives even though i didn't do that program personally in school a lot of our projects and stuff had the same spirit so getting to work on people's homes felt very much in that vein where you could really you really felt like you were making an impact on people's lives um 
by kind of creating, yeah, you kind of create the backdrop for all these like life events and things like that, which I thought was super cool. Um, It is funny too, because you got to have, you know, a lot of the big office architects, they're very talented, don't need necessarily need to have a lot of interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. But in these small homes and you're doing stuff for husband and wife, you have to play marriage counselor as much as you do architect sometimes. <laughs> someone wants one thing in the kitchen. Someone wants another thing. You know, someone wants yeah. – I had. To, I was in a meeting one time where people were trying to figure out where they're going to put a big taxidermy thing. <laughs> like you, you got to try to come up with creative solutions to make you know everyone in the house happy. Yeah, for people um, and for stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I think this this might be a good segue to hot take time. If I had a buzzer, I'd play it. Um, <laughs> but so you you have the commercial side, you have the residential mm-hmm. side, you come to Mississippi, you're kind of figuring out what you do. I mean, you, uh, you know, your stuff at this point. Correct? Well, or not. <laughs> well, I guess. I guess my hot take is, uh, no, I do not know my stuff. It is, and I think that's perfectly okay. I think a lot of times, you know, I'm you know, about eight years into my career now, and a lot of times, you know, I'll see people that were graduating stuff become a specialist in this or an expert in that. And I think when you have a career that's supposedly going to arc, you know, have a 30 to 40-year timeline, I think it's silly to think you're you could be an expert in something, you know, a fifth of the way in. Um, so no, I I've learned so much, and there's so much more I have to learn every day. And I try to work at places where I surround myself with people that know more than me, so I can learn from them. And although I can see different skill sets I develop in and have a skill and there's, you know, an equal amount of things I have so much to learn in. Mm-hmm. And I think people that are in college now are in high school and it's okay if you don't know everything coming out of school, if you don't know everything going into your first job, I think the important thing is to put yourself in a situation where you can learn from somebody and you do have people to look up to. Cause I think every time I switch careers, I've gotten to a point you know, because people shift in and out of roles. But if I get to a point where I look around and I can't see like, oh, that's who I want to be in three to five years. or that's who I want to like learn from for the next amount of time I move because it's not, if I'm not continually learning or growing, then I need to put myself in a situation where I can evolve and become the best person and the best kind of architect I can be. So, you know, I look around when I'm 50, I can say, yes, I'm an expert because I've I've put myself in so many situations and I haven't been complacent and stayed in one spot. (laughs) Well, to play uh, devil's advocate. So do you do you think you're an expert at anything like one kind of thing in particular right now that you would know better than others because of where you've worked or a fresh perspective or things like that? So I think, I don't think I'm an expert, but I think my skill set has lent my work more towards the design side of things, where out of school, I kind of developed a, uh, a skill for rendering. So making kind of projects look photorealistic and, you know, that's the thing you take to clients. So I kind of got a seat at the table early for 
in kind of earlier design meetings at the beginning of projects. And that's kind of been my path since I went from just making the pretty picture to making the pretty picture, but then also talking to the people who are coming up with the ideas to learn from them. And now I've kind of graduated to more role with I'm coming up with more of the ideas. I mean, there's still people above me that I report to that bounce off ideas from, but um, that's kind of been my career path. But, you know, on architecture, it's not just about design. There's a whole building that needs to come together. There's all this coordination with engineers to even get all your drawings done. And then after that, there's a whole work site full of people that you got to make sure you're communicating with back and forth. And, you know, there's like windows that need to get installed that, you know, say you draw a window, but you know, reality is you got to shop out for a supplier, pick something that, you know, that's actually available and there mm -hmm. and can ship to the site. And then there's realities for the specific product. So that's, you know, that's the side of things I have a lot to learn about. And I think the most important thing to be is just an expert learner. I think, you know, if maybe that's it, maybe that's what my expertise is, is I've, I've put myself in a position to be an expert learner and know if there's a problem, this is the best way I can learn about solving it. And this is who I can talk to. Things like that. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying you're, you've done well at receiving feedback and improving on it and problem solving to all kind of be this expert learner. And I've, I've become good at, and it was really hard is, um, learning to say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what the answer is. I think the biggest lesson I kind of learned through design stuff is you don't, is don't let yourself get sold on your first idea. And I think that can translate to any career is like, if you have, if you have a problem you're trying to solve and you think you come up with a solution, don't shut down other people's advice because they have a different, they have a different view on it because your view might not be the best view. And maybe a lot of times the best solution is a combination of your original idea and someone else's. So always be open-minded and that's tough because there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of, you know, pride that goes into, you know, thinking, you know, something. And I think, you know, successful people I found are the ones that, you know, can, can take their strong idea, but use the people and their coworkers around them to make, to make the best solution. I like it. Yeah. I just, um, listen to a Freakonomics podcast. It's basically like how to change your mind because it's pretty difficult and the stakes can be high. And I think that that's at work too. So, right. You know, you're trying to learn from people who are experienced and know what they're doing, provide some fresh ideas and, uh, you know, help each other out. I got some, I got some questions for you, I guess. Oh, Nico. Flip it. <laughs> me. Flipping it on its head. You didn't warn so, me. So yeah, because I, I didn't warn you because it, it came to me and now I want to ask. Um, yeah. So I think I know your podcast and I really like your approach for season two of talking to all different people, but I want to know more kind of about what you do as an engineer. Is there anything kind of from an architect's angle now that you've heard kind of what I do, is there anything that's similar in your line of work? Yes. 
Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so I am not like the engineer that sits on the floor below the architects and works directly with them, right? So like there are, I don't know, 50% of people that graduate maybe do something like that and then 50% just go into general business. So like my role as sales for for intelligent buildings is just to have the knowledge of the engineering stuff. So like what is similar is that we are kind of bringing a fresh approach and fresh ideas to engineering, to architecture and to construction. Um, but there's a lot of kind of the way it's done before traditional mentality. It's kind of a old school industry, you know, all stuff that you kind of touched on. Where it's like, hey, technology has changed a lot. Maybe we should think about this when we're planning a building instead of just when we're putting sensors in at the end, when we're installing it. So like breaking in, getting a seat at the table for me and my company. I, I haven't done good renderings. Let's see, what would be the... Our, our like consulting approach of using use cases is, is something similar, which would give us a seat at the table. It's like, think about... If you're building an office tower, how an office worker would scan their phone to get into a building and it would activate the elevator and make their pot of coffee and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I have a ton to learn about the actual construction of a building and how they're operated and how they're financed and things like that. But I feel like my expertise would be in the technology part. Well, I've still got a ton to learn. What do you think? I like it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just always interested to, you know, I work with a lot of engineers in my job and a lot of times they're very siloed in their space. And it's always, which is sad because they have a lot of good, a lot of good thoughts and creative solutions on things. And I don't know if you ever need help in the future, just hit me up. I like it. Yeah, I'm focused on commercial, but we can, I'm, I'm thinking now, I'm thinking I got to have an architect, an engineer and me, which you would kind of, it's your idea. It's not my idea. You said it weeks ago. <laughs> um, but even just to do like a, a, like a example sales pitch or something, but like we could make it about smart buildings for, you know, that's kind of for me, but in general, like working across silos, like mechanical versus electrical versus plumbing on the engineering front. Honestly, I haven't even talked guys- to any real engineers, so we got to do that first. Do you guys at your, are you in an office or are you remote or? Remote. Remote. So that doesn't help either. Uh, when, I was doing, when I was doing corporate headquarters and stuff, and I'm doing one now in Hattiesburg, and they're a um, conglomerate. And the big thing is always to make these big, like, community atrium spaces. Mm-hmm. So all those people from different um, divisions and stuff can interact. And, and it's always interesting to see if that actually works or, you know. Yeah, if you can really, if you can really start, if you can create an, an environment that sets up a physical environment to, to facilitate that like mingling, does it does it actually happen, and what are the results of that? It's always so it's hard because it's hard to quantify, but yeah, I'd be interested if there's a way to. So that's very top of mind for me um, because since I work remote, like it's hard to work to collaborate with people in the office. And I feel like, well, it's impossible unless you just schedule a call and you've got this whole zoom culture and the pandemic and you know, this and that. But so my thing is like moving forward, I would like to have a place to go to work with like people 
regardless mm-hmm. of if they're engineers or not, but just like have some people to bounce ideas off of and still have that office environment, even if it isn't necessarily attached to my company, think, attached to my industry, that kind of thing. I think that was WeWork's whole thing. But, but I'm a not little sure. bit, <clears throat> but like, like if there was a, a, a WeWork with a day a week where some community could go in, say it's the dumb it down community. Like if that would, if that would interest people, if that, you know, if being cross industry would actually be useful and helpful, or if it's just like, oh, well, you're sitting with your friends in the office, no one's getting anything done. <laughs> These are probably the I think it, the meetup could be cool too. I just think like there's a lot of times where like if I'm designing something and I'll be like, oh, well, this is, this is how I think like people read it. And a lot of, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, an architect will know what you're trying to go for. But like, if I show it to my wife, she's like, what are you, I don't understand what's going on there. So it'd be good to even just have like a group where, you know, I can present ideas to you and be like, oh, this is, well, this is how people are going to read it. Bingo. That's, that's honestly, that's what we're trying to solve here at Dumb It Down. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where it goes, but right. Like, I don't know anything about architecture, but I followed this conversation because, you know, we kind of both went in like, okay, let's just talk at a very high level. But as soon as you step into your office or like get into your normal workflow, it's like, oh, well, the CAD drawings and this acronym and that, and you just, you know, everyone knows these technical things. And so if you told your wife or you told your friends, right over their head. Well, the cool thing I'm doing now at work is I'm making, um, like a video game version of the buildings as we're designing them. So I can like AR design building and I'll make it. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I've done it when I was doing a house, we do it with Oculus goggles, but you can go in and clients can experience the space before it's built. But what is actually more helpful with is like, I had a conversation with a mechanical engineer last week because we designed something we thought it was going to work. But the reality of it is there was not enough space for supply and return ducts. So now, you know, we jump on a Zoom call and we can shift stuff around in real time in this video game environment and, you know, come up with creative solutions for, oh, this is where we could put it, you know, this supply duct and it would actually still work with what we're going for and stuff like that. That's nuts. That's so cool. So that's just default to you because you're the young guy, tech savvy. Uh, it, it came out of the whole rendering background, which uh, is, you know, just staying on the, the, trying to stay on the edge of what what we could use as a firm to kind of show our ideas and what's kind of the next iteration of that. And you can, I mean, you can hook up a uh, an Xbox controller to your computer and walk around just like you're playing Halo or something. That's sweet. I've heard of that yeah. happening and never seen it before. Yeah, that's sweet. Well, Nico, um, I think that's that's good to end on. I'll, I'll just say this, you know, your point, your hot take, can't be an expert that's quick out of school, I feel, and, it, you know, keep an open mind. But you are an expert at this rendering, like you're, you're finding kind of your lane there. Whether you like it or not, you're an expert. And there's levels of expertise, too. But anyway, uh, for, for the listeners, because we have to know, uh, Why'd you move to Mississippi? <laughs> it's uh, the friendliest people and the best food, hands down. There we go. Oh. 
<laughs> and you know the wife's family and all yeah, my wife's from here and we wanted to be close to her family and all there that. we go I, I i love it here it's they really are i think the deep south gets a bad rap a lot of the time but when you actually move here and get involved here i think it's actually some of the most kind of welcoming open-minded people you'll ever be around because the people the people here truly love being here mm. and they want to make it a great place i like it and it shows and it yeah. shows all right well nico thanks for coming on i honestly haven't maybe ever had a conversation like this with you so uh keep it up anything else yeah man thanks for having me no i hope uh i hope people like it <laughs> we'll never know no we'll never know we'll get we'll get positive right. reviews i'll let you know all right only the positive right <laughs> Okay, this is Eric again without Nico. So Nico has a lot of good ideas for me for this podcast, and I appreciate them. And one of them is to recap afterward on what I learned. So little recap. So Nico had a hot take of you can't be an expert this far into your career. And my counter would be that he spent, what, five years in school of actually doing design work and learning. Uh, he's seen commercial and residential He's uh, learned about rendering. He's learned about technology. He's gotten a seat at the table for some big projects, some small projects. So I agree with his point. You need to have an open mind, I think, whether you're entering your career or 20 or 30 years in, because it's very hard to change your mind. Uh, but on top of that, I think that when you are an expert at something or when you have some expertise, let's go with that. He's not an expert on many things, but he has expertise in some things. And I think everyone does at their job when you stick with it and spend 40 hours a week on it over the number of years. Um, but being that naive expert in the room, you know, using your expertise to try to bring up some good new ideas in common sense language, I think is very important. And it sounds like that's what Nico has been able to be skilled in and have some expertise in. So as he called it, being an expert learner is pretty important. I think that that's pretty common from business advice. But the way that he did it, you know, continually having a seat at the table, doing some things to get there, kind of working your way up and putting the time in to make it work, I think would resonate with a lot of older listeners as opposed or in addition to some of the millennials and Gen Zers that we typically target. So thanks, Nico, for sharing that perspective. And um, thanks for coming on.